and the senior lefty strikes him out. Two strikeouts to end the top of the first. Score is 0-0. Zero, zero. And that is a check swing from Chufo. Sheehan tags him after the drop third. Ten strikeouts for Tyler Burnham so far through four innings. Burnham kicks, deals, swung on hard. Tope goes to second. And that's a double play. Tyler Burnham, have a day. Hello, everyone. Let's take a step back in time and relive one of the best moments of the baseball season. Hello and welcome, everyone. I am Ronnie Jerez, and I'm joined by Ronald Castaneda and Jonathan Hyde on this episode of Pirate Re Rewind as we get to relive May 2nd, where Tyler Burnham no hits the Georgetown Hoyas as the Pirates win two to nothing on a historical event in multiple facets of that day. But before we get into everything about that day and relive a very special moment to all of us, I want to get a sense of how you guys are doing on this fine morning. Ronald, what's up with you? Um, I'm good. Happy to see you guys fresh out of college. Um, like I said before, I made the joke. I never thought I'd have to wake up at 8 a.m. ever again after graduating college, but anything, anything for SOU. So happy to be here. I am also doing great, Ronnie, and I hope this is the last time you have to wake up at 8 a.m. before uh, you enter your professional career. But again, just really excited to do this with you guys. I mean, this was one of the highlights, at least in my freshman year, seeing something so important, something that hasn't happened, I think, in like four years, and just seeing something so historic. And you guys did a great job on the call that day. So it's very excited. It was definitely a moment I will never forget. Uh, it's not often you get... Not many people can say they got a chance to uh, call and broadcast a no-hitter. And this day was historical in multiple facets of the word. If you really want to deep dive and take a, take a look at it, um, first of all, just to you know, bang these out list by list. Ronald, correct me if I'm wrong. Was this a, our first broadcast together? No, we had done the Xavier men's basketball game. At that, okay. All right, so that we, is true. we had already worked on a little bit of chemistry. Okay, yes. And then we also did some, I also remember right now, is our last, we did the last dance tournament. Um, That's right, we did. Yes, yes. But nonetheless, anytime there's a Ronnie, Ronnie broadcast, things go crazy. And other than it being a no-hitter by Tyler Burnham, which was absolutely phenomenal, it was the first Spanish broadcast in WSU history, which can... I can speak for myself as I feel very proud in saying that and being part of that with you, Ronnie, and um, all these Spanish listeners that were able to listen to them. My parents, uh, they listened to it and they loved it. Being the first time they were able to understand a whole broadcast, but um, that was a great moment. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but getting into the game, just to recap a little bit, May 2nd, it was a very sunny, great day of baseball. If I remember those people in the stands and Tyler Burnham, no hits the Georgetown Hoyas and it was a great great he he had a phenomenal pitching game as well as he struck out a career high 14 batters to get to that point so before that his career high was about six I believe if I remember correctly so he absolutely had his pitching day I want to just start off with I'll start off with Jonathan uh, and then we'll get to Ronald. Like, what is the most memorable part of that day from that no hitter? 
I know this is kind of, I guess, the easier answer, Ronnie, but I feel like it's like this in any baseball game if there's a no-hitter thrown, but the moment after that last pitch is thrown, you record that final out, I think it was like a ground out to end that game. And just seeing, like, not only the players dogpile, but just seeing the fans. And I remember listening to your guys' broadcast at the end and, and hearing your guys' reaction to it. Like, it's one, like, uh, especially the thing about Tyler Burnham, like one of the most happiest moments of his life literally just happened on the baseball field. And you're being able to witness that not only as a fan, but, you know, especially even if you're a fellow player of or a teammate, excuse me, of Tyler Burnham, like just being able to share that joy with him after, you know, having such an impressive, you know, distinction, which I think is one of the hardest things to do in sports is to throw a no hitter. And this wasn't even like a no hitter. That was like, you know, he threw maybe five or six strikeouts and a bunch of walks. This man threw 14 strikeouts in one game and still no hit the Georgetown Hoyas. I mean, that was just pure domination, you know, across the board. And I remember looking at, you know, early on, I think the, the, the Hoyas had a couple of base runners, I think in like the first inning, I'm going to say they had like a, a walk and a buck, I think at one point. And then after that, like he just started striking out people left and right and left and right. But it was just so impressive. And I think one, obviously one of the greatest pitching performances in CN Hall history period. There are too many moments throughout that game for me to just pick one. First off, like Jonathan mentioned, in the first thing, it looked like Talbot struggled a little bit. And that's weird to say, considering he threw a no-hitter right after that. But I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, man, seeing how it looks like they're going to struggle. He, he let up a walk, and he balked him. So this is going to be trouble. If you would have asked me after that first inning if I thought he was going to throw a no-hitter, I would have bet – I would have put a down payment on every dollar I'd make for the rest of my life that he was not going to do that. But that was so like Im impressive. And John, Jonathan, like you said, there were so many parts of that game that were so special. I mean, I remember, like I said, after the first inning, I was so, you know, worried, but then as the game kept going and going, I kept getting nervous after every inning, my uh, Ryan, I know we're gonna, probably going to talk about this later, but my hands were shaking. I couldn't keep the stats anymore. By the time the ninth inning came, I just, I stopped because I, I didn't have the power to keep writing on. I was just so focused on the game and making sure um, he did it. Um, and then uh, going into that last play where it was a ground out to first, picked up by Matt Toke, got it over to Connor Hood at second to get the first out. And then Connor Hood threw it back to Matt Toke to get the final out was crazy it, that play was probably like maybe seven seconds it felt like it took seven hours dude I was just glued to it and then after that I remember Tyler Burnham was you know hauling his butt over the first base in case Matt Toke couldn't make the play and he was getting ready to back him up he didn't need to and I remember there's this really and it should be really iconic there's this iconic picture of Tyler Burnham, who's on the ground, pointed up at the sky, and Matt Toke is yelling at him. Not yelling at him, but, you know, he's hyping him up, like, yes, let's go. They're excited right before the team continues to dogpile him. So, so many moments to come out of that game. It was so crazy. And like you said, I remember that week was kind of a crazy week weather-wise because it was cloudy, it was cloudy, it was cloudy. For Tyler Burnham's no-no, completely sunny, a full crowd in the stands, it was so crazy. It, that's, I know, Jonathan, like you said, it's one of the best moments in Tyler Burnham's life. I would not, you know, keep that out of my top 10 moments either. That was, it's, the planets aligned for that. That was insane. 
that was kind of what if I remember correctly, it was one of the first days it started to feel like, oh, you know, summer's right around the corner, you know, May 2nd, the weather was starting to get nice. And that that was up until that point, it was the most people I've seen at a baseball game um the entire year. So I'm glad that the that the 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 audience was able to be there too, because they brought a nice little level of of how you, I'm saying in Spanish because to honor the Spanish, but chispa, you know, a little bit of say, uh, flavor to it. So, I mean, and Jonathan, uh, I'm sure it was a little bit difficult for some people trying to listen into our broadcast, being that it was in Spanish and, you know, not everybody spoke Spanish. So, understanding, I'm sure you picked up a couple words here and there and and all that. Um, so, but I mean, I thank everyone for, for listening because it was a very special moment for me and Ronnie. Um, for me, what I remember the most is right before the broadcast, me and Ronald were talking off air. And we we're like, how do you say balk in Spanish? Because there's no way to say balk in Spanish. Not that we know it. We looked it up. We were like, oh, balk. And it's such an awkward word to say. Even in English, it's just a balk. And then in the first inning, we were, of course, because, you know, of course, because baseball, in the first inning, we're going to get hit with a balk. And then we have to say it on air. And, all, and we're, we all had that doubt of, is there a really way to say Balkan Spanish? I don't think so. I've never heard it. So that's kind of one of the things that sticks out to me because like baseball is just kind of quirky like that. And it turned out to be the quirkiest game ever because I mean, all the things that happened, I, I'm sure that game, it kind of chugged along for Tyler and like the, his teammates made a really conscious effort of not trying to, you know, jinx it and ruin the moment and, and like, you know, be over celebratory and I'm sure towards the end, no play was routine. Anything that was gonna happen, you, you'd have to take an extra thought of it because like, oh, if I mess this up right now, I could potentially mess up history. And I, when, I, when the last double play happened, um, I kind of fought myself on this call. I kind of almost didn't even realize it could have been a double play because when you see ground balls to first, sometimes double plays can be tricky and when I saw Matt Togak, it was right on the line. I was like, oh, he's probably gonna step on first. But the way he flung that ball to second, as soon as he made the motion to second, I'm like, oh my goodness, this might be a double play. And once he did, I was absolutely ecstatic. And you can hear in our call at the end, I, almost, I was at a loss for words and we were just, me and Ronnie was screaming. I remember we were both shaking. It was great. Uh, I, and I really, really loved being in that moment, which was great. But into the game a bit, do you guys feel like this game, like what do you guys think this no hitter meant for the baseball program as a whole? Not maybe not for, for Tyler Burnham, but for the program as a whole, as this was the first, I guess, single no hitter by one pitcher since 2017. And there was a combined no hitter that Tyler Burnham was a part of in 2019. But being that this was the first, you know, solo, solo no no, I like the sound of that, solo no no since 17. What does it mean to the baseball program? What do you think, Ronnie? I think it's definitely huge. I mean, like you said, it's the first solo no-no since uh, 2017. So, I see, from what I've seen, this baseball team, at least in my four years at the Hall, it's been, they've been kind of up and down. And, you know, they've had great years. They've had not so great years. I saw this team make it all the way to the Big East Championships, and I also saw this team finish not so good in the Big East uh, standings. And I also saw them just not even have a season at all so I think what this does for the team is this is so you know amazing and it's so 
See, whenever something good happens to a college program, and while it's great that it happens for, you know, the players and the coaching staff and the administration, that's always great. But you also have to keep an eye out on the fact that there are little kids who are growing up and, you know, you have some kids who are in high school trying to figure out where they want to play college baseball, you know, a small town college university like Seton Hall University doesn't really garner the name like a Vanderbilt or an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State. But stories and moments like this where not only does a player throw a no hitter, but his team mobs him for five minutes straight. They're dancing on the floor and the crowd is going crazy. That's the kind of stuff that brings people over. You know, that's the kind of stuff that wins people over. You can get small town kids who are scared that, you know, they'll go to a school and it won't feel like a family because of the size of the team or the size of the university. But we show that kind of camaraderie when, you know, something great like that happens. And I think that's so cool for them. And in terms of that team, I mean, that team was, you know, playing astounding to end the season and really playing amazing. And um, I just think the no hitter was kind of like the cherry on top. I think that's easily the best moment um, of the season. But yeah, that's going to be something that, like you said, Tyler Burnham's going to be talking about for the next, for the rest of his life, honestly. And that's going to be something else that the next picture pitcher to come in the scene hall is going to strive to do. So I, I feel like I'm not going to call it a peak, but it's definitely a stepping stone in scene hall baseball's popularity. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys have been kind of hinting at this, and I kind of been having this thought in my head that obviously with the circumstances of this game, like you guys mentioned, it's you know beginning of May, and obviously this year was just so difficult for not not only the players but the fans, for us, just everyone. I mean, this was like the biggest event or biggest spectacle. I I feel like besides maybe the men's soccer team's you know successes, where like the Andreas Nota you know penalty kick and stuff, but even then, a lot of the soccer team stuff was you know away from home. It was know either at georgetown you know um in washington or it was at um uh, north carolina for the actual tournament itself but for this this was at home and i feel like this is kind of like the first big you know sense of normality since COVID hit of seeing something so amazing happen right on scene hall's campus like you mentioned ronnie like i mean the amount of fans that were there um i mean even at the end like when they mobbed tyler burnham i mean we were used to the social distancing stuff like a couple of months before. I mean, and now, you know, things got a lot better over the a couple of months during the season by the time that game, you know, went down and seeing that at the end, it was just, it was just such a special moment. And just, um, I think just a, it was a glimmer of hope for everyone. I feel like, I know I'm trying not to be dramatic with it, but that's kind of what I got from just the entire day and what it means for the scene hall program as a whole. I mean, Ronnie, you, you put it best. I mean, if you're like a little kid, I mean, even high schoolers, that's like the big thing. Cause obviously, you know, the pirates, they lost a lot of players, I think for next season, a bunch of them either, you know, transferred out or they wanted to move on to the next, to another team, you know, for their graduate year, for their fifth year, excuse me. Um, I think this does wonders for their recruiting program. The fact that you had a player throw a no hitter like that. And you saw, you know, just how close the team is in South orange and how, um, important baseball is to the scene hall community. I mean, they check off a whole bunch of boxes for an incoming recruit that wants to, you know, have a good college experience. I saw David Festa get drafted to the Minnesota Twins. I mean, you see that there's, there is success within the program. There has been in the past. And I feel like this accomplishment only adds to that. And the fact that, I mean, no hitters are just sometimes so rare. And obviously the Pirates were blessed to have one four years ago is the last one, but 
there's some programs that it'll be like decades where a, a single no hitter is thrown. It's just so rare. And uh, it's just, I find it so funny sometimes that the one Spanish broadcast we've ever had at WSU was this no hitter. I feel like it's a sign from God or something, the universe, you know, working its way out. And I just, I, to this day, and I'll honestly never like fully comprehend the fact that you guys were able to call a no hitter in Spanish during the one Spanish broadcast all year. And especially for this Georgetown series, I mean, I mean, this was a great series for, I mean, seeing all, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They swept them in a four game set and, you know, they played so well, obviously the end of the season did not go as they'd like, you know, they lost, you know, the Crane and Xavier in the big East tournament, but this was probably the best series of the year, you know, besides maybe the Villanova sweep earlier in the season. But I mean, this series against the Hoyas, they played so well and to cap it off like this, it was just so special and it'll just do wonders for the, for the team and program going forward. I like something you mentioned. Um, maybe at the end of the year we can compile. I'm pretty sure Heaven Hill. He's he's a mastermind. When once we when we break it down, so he's a mastermind. Maybe at the end of the year we can compile. You know, best moments of 2021. And for me, you know, the no hitter for Tyler Burnham. It's got to be it's top five. I mean, I might be a little bit biased about that, but no. In terms of the program, it I feel like seeing how it's taking very nice steps to being putting itself on the map baseball wise. And I, and I really like the strides it's taken the no hitter. It gave, it, it gave um, Tyler Burnham the opportunity to be, he was like Biggie's pitcher of the week or something. So, you know, like, you know, of CN Hall that puts the name CN Hall out there a little bit more. And like you said, um, uh, we had a player get drafted into the Minnesota twins. So, you know, incremental steps to being more seen and heard in the baseball community, although although we're not the biggest baseball school, um, I guess we could say that we're we're getting there, and we we've had some success in the past, and they're still striving for success to you know get to that next level and, and hopefully make it. They they were close they were closer this year, and um, I like the the way they're heading. But now, as Jonathan alluded. Uh, this was the first ever Spanish broadcast. I mean, one might think we should, Ronnie and I should do more Spanish broadcasts together if this is the outcome that's going to happen. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I guess how, whatever, because no hitters are so rare. And like, no matter how bad, it, not, I'm not saying Georgetown is a, is a bad team. They had a rough season this year, but no matter how bad a team could be, it's still super, super difficult to come up, come away with a no hitter. I mean, recently, uh, Tyler Gilbert in the MLB had a no hitter against the San Diego Padres. It can happen to so the best team. It can happen to the worst team. It just all depends on the way the wind is blowing that day. There's so many different factors. But um, being that this was the first Spanish broadcast, Ronnie, what does this mean to you historically? And what like are your overall final thoughts on the no hitter? being congealed with it being Spanish. I, I've been wanting to air this out for so long, right? So that, I still marvel and I still crack up laughing at the reminder that, first off, let's talk about the history of the Spanish broadcast because it wasn't even a thing until like three months prior where I, we were together watching the Super Bowl amongst our friends and, uh, you know, they usually go out and say, oh, if you want to listen to this in Spanish, hit SAP on your um, remote. And someone said, oh, imagine if we had a Spanish broadcast at SOU. And like, 
there was so much talk about what it was going to be. Was it going to be soccer? Was it going to be, you know, baseball? We didn't know. And then it almost didn't happen because we were supposed to do a game, I believe, two weeks prior. And I think we both couldn't do it. And so uh, Will brought it up. Uh, he literally brought it up like two days before that game. He was like, you guys want to, you know, bang out this uh, Spanish broadcast? And we we both just said, sure. We, I, I, I'm not going to lie. At that point, I had honestly thought that the Spanish broadcast has sailed its course. You know, we, we tried, we tried, it didn't happen. All right. But then uh, that game happened and it was so like just magical that day like you said Ryan we were talking before the game we were like how do you say Bach like and then in the first inning Tyler Burnham boxed his second batter well not this during the second batter there we go and I that was hilarious I literally could not believe it and then um the crazy part about the whole thing was you know Ronnie and I are both Dominican I'm I got a little half uh Peruvian in me but listen, my, my Spanish is nowhere near Mr. Jerez's here. So I, I, I remember um, what we were supposed to do. The rules were you took the first three innings. I took the next three innings. And then you took the last three innings. Ronnie was in such a groove. And he was saying words I'd never even heard before to the point where right before, right in between this, uh, the second inning, I stopped and I told him, Hey man, you can carry us the whole way. So I, I let him carry us the whole way. And that was so fun. And it didn't get, you know, really hysterical up until it must have been the sixth or seventh inning where we realized what could happen. Obviously, we couldn't talk about it because, you know, y'all know the unwritten rules of baseball. Uh, we couldn't talk about it. But Ronnie and I got, you know, we looked at each other, we got together and we thought about it like, should we probably turn this game into, you know, an English broadcast because of what we're about to see? And we were, we were honestly pondering it because it was about to be a momentous moment. Like we could just feel it. Like, like Ryan said, it was in the air. So we, we could just feel it. But uh, I, we came on to the conclusion that, um, that uh, it was, we were already like too far in. Maybe us calling it in Spanish was the reason he was doing a no hitter. So, you know, we just, we had to keep it going. And then obviously uh, the final out, I wish, I, I, if heaven, heaven, if you're hearing this, if you can play that audio right now, just that final out, last minute or so, you you will hear me just say, see, it's probably the word I said the most throughout that broadcast. And uh, Ronnie's still calling the game. I, I'm so awestruck, I'm trying to decide what I'm seeing. My hands are still shaking. Like I said, I couldn't take the stats anymore. It was so insane. But the fact that I was able to be part of SOU's first ever, not just first baseball Spanish broadcast, the first ever full Spanish broadcast, uh, it's it's amazing. And Ronnie and I definitely set the bar. So that's something we can brag about for the next uh, few years or so. But, I mean, it was, it was so great. It was so... It, it, it was such a good time and I can't wait to see the next wave of Latin or Hispanic or anyone Spanish speaking coming into the station whether it's for sports or music or news they can interpret you know a second language it doesn't even have to be Spanish it could be Portuguese it could be uh, Mandarin it could be anything 
So I, I think that's really, I think that's really cool. If that was some, if we can continue that of having, you know, a different language spoken on a sports broadcast, I think that'd be so amazing. But I'm honored to share this moment with Mr. Jerez here and being the first, you know, group to do that. And what I'm about to say, like, I'm not just saying this as your guys' friends, you know, and fellow, you know, station worker and everything, but you guys really just set, I feel like just, you guys were honestly like trailblazers for like a Spanish broadcast or again, any foreign language broadcast going forward. Because if there was any doubt within the higher ups, either at the station or even like, you know, other, you know, networks on, on uh, at CN Hall, that there was any doubt that a, all, you know, other language broadcasts couldn't work just listen to the tape of your guys' broadcast and any doubt I feel like would ever be, you know, immediately thrown away because, you know, the fact that, I mean, it's kind of funny in my mind, but if, if, if the Spanish broadcast from you guys means a no hitter every time, I guess you guys just means you have to call like every baseball game, like ever now at CN Hall. But um, I just think it's just so crazy. Just some of the things that happen to perfectly line up too during this game as well. Like you mentioned, Ronnie, like it, even like the way the wind moves, I feel like during a no hitter has to be, you know, perfectly, you know, every fielder, like you talked about the double play at the end, both of you guys had to be so, you know, picture perfect in order for it to happen. And that's like the beauty of a no hitter. But even though I'm not the host of this, I'm, I was always kind of wondering a little bit from both of you guys, like, how do you prep for a Spanish broadcast, like compared to like a normal one? I mean, obviously you guys know Spanish, you know, already. I'm sure like that wasn't the hard part, but like you said, you didn't know how to say balk, which like, I don't think, anyone knows how to say walk in Spanish, but I feel like there's so much more to it than just, you know, making a spotting board and just writing down some numbers. I mean, obviously you guys couldn't prepare or even mentally prepare for the game that was about to happen, but I really just, I'm just curious, like, how do you even go about it? You watch a lot of Sabado Gigante, I'm telling you, or Caso Cerrado, right? Two of the greatest Spanish shows I've ever seen. I literally, I remember I watched those 24 seven just to make sure, you know, my mind was in queue with Spanish. So I was just on point and on that. Ronnie is probably, you know, Ronnie didn't even have to practice. He's just straight off the dome, you know, how great his Spanish is. But for me, I had to relive my childhood and watch a lot of Spanish programming. <laughs> no, see this, I, I, Spanish is my first, was my first language. Um, I kind of grew up like speaking both at the same time. But the thing is, though, um, there's so many different levels and layers to Spanish. You know, you can I, day to day I speak, you know, normal Dominican Spanish, but that's not the same thing as, you know, formal Spanish that you can really say on air. So like transitioning to that is a little bit uh, of a, I guess, of a mind. You have to juggle that in your mind a little bit and you got to make sure you pronounce your words because, you know, we Dominicans, we have tendencies to really, you know, leave syllables out, leave letters out, leave words out but making sure that I was able to make it as a formal, clear broadcast in Spanish. Um, and I know it's difficult because I'm sure the demographic of listeners listening in, into an online stream Sunday afternoon baseball game against the Georgetown Hoyas who were having a rough season. Um, and then listen, on top of that, listening to on Spanish, I'm, it's a lot, of, uh, a lot of categories to jump through. And whatever listeners that were listening, uh, they mean the world to me just being just be just being there um and i'm sure that there's not very much spanish listeners really like audience wise for wcu in general being you know a a modern rock station um but still i 
love the fact that we're able to, you know, kind of add a twinkle of diversity um, towards the uh, sports program, being that baseball is very, you know, Hispanic oriented. And I mean, if there were, there, there were not many Hispanics on the team this year, um, if I remember correctly, maybe one or two. But in terms of prep, um, I did try, I, like before, my prep usually like, like practicing calls out loud, you know, just speaking it out loud when I'm, you know, driving in the shower, just doing homework, whatever I'm doing. I like saying it out loud. I'm like calling para short, lo prepara, coge, tira para primera, y hace out. You know, love doing that. And my dad, his dream was to be a, a Spanish broadcaster for baseball. So growing up, I heard him. So I kind of like just got really, uh, I got all the nuances from him as he does it when we watch games here at home. But prep wise, it was definitely a, a mental hurdle to try to, you know, clean up my Spanish and make sure that everything and being in the moment, this is the first Spanish broadcast I've ever called in my life. Um, there were nerves to it as well. And then I had to make sure that I had to look up some words just to make sure because on air, you can't have that doubt. So you got to like in English is kind of less thinking when, you, when you're speaking um, on a call, you still have to think, but there's less when you're doing it in Spanish. So that was, um, that was nice to see. And now that I did it, I, I feel confident in, in doing it again forward and any um, opportunity that I might have. Um, but that was a great uh, thing for us and the station as well. And it was posted all over the SHU Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, and that gives it, that gave it even more recognition and more praise, which was really great to see. And I really commend the athletics department for allowing that to happen. So that was great. Um, but now in terms of, if we look at it towards the season and the impact this no hitter may have, because sometimes baseball works in funky ways. And Jonathan, I'm gonna start with you. Do you feel like this no hitter had an impact towards the season going the rest of the way? Because as you mentioned earlier, this was a four game sweep, which is, first of all, a four game sweep is hard to do in any level, no matter what. And then when you attack on the last game being a no hitter, that's pretty crazy. So do you think this game had an impact um, either negatively or positively going ahead in that season? I think for sure it definitely had at least a positive impact just as a morale booster, I think, for the team. Because, I mean, last season was so difficult, you know, in so many ways. And there were so many like hot and cold stretches, which I feel like is normal for any collegiate baseball team. But when you go through the COVID year within, within it and, you know, having the cancellations here and there, because I remember looking at the rest of the season for them. I mean, obviously they would, you know, do the four game sweep at Georgetown. Then they split with Xavier. Um, they split with Creighton with one of the games that won like 15 to nothing or something. So I know like the confidence was there in games like that. But then they, at the end of the season, they had, they got swept by um, UConn before the Big East championship, or the Big East tournament, excuse me, and then losing to Creighton and Xavier. I mean, that's obviously not the most ideal way to end your season after that. But I just feel like in the moment at that point of the season, when this no hitter did go down, like this is at, like at their peak, like the hottest part of the station, uh, excuse me, the, the season, because before the, the no hitter and that whole series, I mean, I think the Lafayette game was canceled. So that was another, you know, postponed they had to go through. And then they um, split with St. John's, but I mean, the offense was so red hot throughout much of the season, actually. I mean, they beat St. John's like 19 to four, 11 to one. They were absolutely, you know, clicking on offense to be building over 13 to two. Um, so there were definitely like a lot of high points in the season. And towards the end, you know, they ended up faltering, unfortunately, you know, 
just in the Big East tournament and, you know, facing some really tough competition. Obviously, UConn was a great team, um, <clears throat> you know, across the board and it was as well as Creighton. But I just think at that point, it was a perfect way to cap off the hottest part of the season, I feel like, for the baseball team. And, I mean, it just, it's just – it's just so bad that they couldn't, you know, at least win a game in the Big East tournament. You know, it's, it's obviously a little bit discouraging when you have moments like this throughout the season when your offense is putting up, you know, over 10 runs, you know, in multiple games, which, you know, if your offense can click like that, I feel like, you know, everything clicks. But having a no-hitter like that, I mean, it shores up your defensive game. If, like, there's fielders that, you know, have been committing a lot of errors or, you know, if it's more of a confidence thing, the fact that not only did Tyler Burnham obviously throw the no-hitter, but you have all the fielding that was had to be so impeccable in order for the no hitter to happen. I feel like that was a big morale booster. And I feel like th going forward, there weren't a ton of errors or anything. So I think definitely that played a large part in it. And the fact that when you have a team that, you know, I mean, imagine if you were one of the players on the field with him throwing a no hitter and your one mistake could cost him, you know, and depending on how they judge like a base hit, because obviously sometimes if it's an error, you know, they'll still have the no hitter go on but you cannot take that chance if you're a player. And like you saw like the, the Matt Toke play at first base. I mean, he, you know, fired that ball into second base with one intent of making sure his teammate was able to, you know, finish off what he started. So, I mean, the fielding, I'm sure, you know, stepped up the rest of the season as well. But again, this was the, the peak, I think, of the Pirates campaign. And it'll just give, you know, I think future pitchers in Seen Hall more of a chip on their shoulder to try to match that, you know. Obviously, they lost some pitching going into next year, and unfortunately, Tyler Burnham's now at FAU. But I think this is a big confidence booster, and I think just something that other Pirates can try to replicate in the years, you know, to, to come. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that season was up and down at times. But like I said, in my time at Seen Hall, I got to see the baseball team and all, you know, sorts of, you know, records and I saw them make it to the Big East Championships. I saw them, you know, not even have a season. Uh, this season was definitely, you know, such a fun one to watch. I enjoyed this baseball team more than I ever had this season. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a little biased. I got to call, you know, the first no-hitter in four years for him. But the no-hitter itself was easily the cherry on top for that season. Um, like you said, Jonathan, I forget, but you you had brought it up. That was during probably their hottest point of the season. I mean, I want to say they had won like 12 out of the last 15 games or something like that. They they had really starting to get the ball rolling, uh, no pun intended. But like it was such an amazing time watching that team. And I remember leaving that day and I remember telling myself, I can't wait to see this team in the Big East uh, tournament. Because I think by that point, they had already, you know, established and their record was good enough to make it to the tournament. So I remember all I kept saying was, I can't wait to see this team uh, make it to the to playoff. Obviously, it was uh, they, they had some shortcomings there and, you know, ended up losing back to back to Xavier and Creighton. But I mean, as a season, this that moment gives the players something to look back on, because usually during the season, you're like, oh, we made it to, you know, this round of the playoffs or uh, we didn't make it, we came up short of the playoffs. Now they have something that they can, you know, cherish forever. Everyone on that team can cherish forever, whether you're Tyler Burnham himself or you're one of the fielders, you know, 
on the field with them. And you got to say you helped them, you know, collect that uh, no hitter, except for the third baseman, because he obviously he had a day off practically that day. Um, but I still think that was such an amazing, um, you know, moment for him. And I think that's something that they really have to, you know, cherish because, like you said, there are programs who haven't gotten no hitters in 10 years. And I mean, we're lucky the only difference between us is the fact that I think it's four years, right? Yeah, yeah, 2017. But um, it, it's still something to cherish nonetheless. This, I feel like, was the peak. But the thing is, although they did kind of, you know, limp into the Big East uh, tournament, it was that first game against Creighton. I, I don't know what it is with Creighton, but Creighton seems to have our number in almost every sport that we play because Creighton just loves to, you know, finish Seton Hall in heartbreaking fashion. And <clears throat> that game, they had that game won. They were up seven to four. It was a back and forth game. I remember watching it. That game was an absolute classic. Seven to four in the ninth, top of the ninth, Seton Hall's up. And then the bullpen could not hold that lead with some costly walks and timely hits. And that really was a heartbreaking when they, they score four runs in the bottom of the ninth to walk it off. And they were hot then. Matt Toke went like three for four that game. He was a home run shy of the cycle. <clears throat> and I, I feel like that game really took wind out of their sails really, really impactfully. And that because of how draining that game was that loss was they uh, they really didn't have the the right momentum going into the next game um, in the Big East tournament. So I really against Xavier, I really feel like the no hitter was the peak in the moment uh, in the in the season, and then it kind of you know kind of had a little bit of a decrescendo there towards the end of the season, and then they got hot, but then we all know what happened. So, uh, but nonetheless. The no-hitter was an, uh, a turning point. As you can see, it was a pivot point for them to buckle down on defense pitching. And when you have a pitcher pitching that well, 14 strikeouts, we, that, the no-hitter part is very impressive, but 14 strikeouts, I mean, that golly, have a day to burn them. Um, I, I mean, that kind of really puts pressure on your offense to, to really have some run support for a guy pitching that way. Because could you imagine if he was pitching a no hitter, but it was zero zero into the eighth, where now nerves get really, really upsetting. Where you know one run or a, a single pitch can really mess the entire day up. Where you could lose a no hitter, and now you could be losing going into the ninth or something. So it, it was great that the uh, the offense. We could also give them some credit as well. And as we head towards the end of Pirate Rewind on this edition of the no-no talk, you know, I just want to get a sense of how do you guys feel about being part of a historical event? This was, uh, we've talked about it all show. This is a historical event of multi, I guess, multi-levels. And we're all part of it and we're all connected through it. And this is something that we're going to be able to, you know, relate to our entire lives. So Jonathan, this is a historical event. How does that make you feel? And let me just first start off um, I obviously was the beat reporter of this game, and 
I just wish, and I know this year, I think we might change it like in previous years that the beat reporter would get to go to every home game or some rule like that. And I just wish that I was able to have been there in person. Obviously it was a blessing to hear you guys call it in Spanish and then to watch it, you know, you know, the stream here and there. But I mean, <clears throat> I got to be report a lot of the bigger games in pretty much every sport this year, but it, this was one of the hardest, you know, recap articles to write about just the fact that I have to kind of, you know, obviously recap the four game series, which the other three games, you know, were just, you know, pretty straightforward, but to try to put it, you know, words onto paper of what was going on and to, you know, pick the right, you know, for example, tweets to put, like I had a really, I tried to find like the best, you know, tweets from Seton Hall Athletics that had, you know, the clip and the one that best expressed their emotion and everything. And just trying to find, I mean, I forgot to even mention this, but, you know, he threw 128 pitches too for this no hitter, which obviously for, for baseball fans out there, you know, a pitcher in today's league, like very rarely will they go even above a hundred with, you know, the amount of Tommy John surgeries and, and arm struggles every pitcher seems to have but 128 pitches, that's, you know, that's like Jacob deGrom, not to toot your horn, Ronnie's kind of pitching stats, you know, throwing that amount of pitches in that kind of game. I mean, and I'll even throw the Garrett Cole too, Ronnie. You know, like I forgot with the Astro game too. But, I mean, I remember writing the recap, and I obviously couldn't write a whole article about it, which I wish I could. I mean, I had to write about the other three games, and they played so well in those other games, and they, they had, a, I think, another shutout here and there. But, I mean, trying to connect it to the fact that, you know, from East Brunswick, you know, a New Jersey, you know, he's a New Jersey native. And I, we can even talk about what it does for like, you know, his, his old high school that, you know, and especially even in East Brunswick, that East Brunswick's own Tyler Burnham accomplished this feat for Seton Hall. And, you know, it puts them on the map. It makes, you know, even that high school even a little bit more appealing, you know, for the baseball squad. But it was just obviously for me the hardest, I think, probably recap to write you know, the season, you know, one of, you know, I did a bunch of the big time soccer games. I did um basketball games, you know, in the Big East tournament, the soccer in the Big East tournament and NCAA tournament. But for this, of uh, something so unprecedented and so just, you know, like we talked about, every single thing had to be aligned perfectly. And to try to capture that in an article, it was a lot of fun to write and I enjoyed it. And I, I know it did pretty well. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, but, you know, just the amount of content we got from this game. I mean, shout out to Joe Matthews, the amazing graphic he made of that, you know, of the no-hitter with Tyler Burnham and the 14 strikeouts. I know that did really well. But this game just did wonders for so many people, you know, just outside of just the, the players themselves. And I think we'll always be grateful for that. And something, at least for me, that I didn't even wasn't even in person for, but just being able to experience it through another lens, I'll still never be able to forget. Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever I think about it, I I just, what I loved about this moment the most is that when I think about, you know, this game and being a part of it, I don't think about, you know, being a part of Scene Hall history. What I think about was I was able to go out and have a great time calling a great game with, you know, one of my best friends over at school. Like, that that's the first thing that comes into my mind. But one of the main things that I always, you know, just to come up with it is that I always appreciate the fact that, you know, I never really saw it going into history. I just saw it becoming, you know, a great, just a great time with some great people. I just thought it was one of the funnest things, you know, I got to do while in college. So um, definitely that scene hall history. I mean, we already talked about what this means for the baseball team, but even for the fans, you know, for them to witness history, that's just as amazing. Uh, 
not to mention baseball games are free for students. So someone could have watched that performance for free. Just walk up the steps over to the newly renovated, I may mention, ONT Carroll Field, sit down in the bleachers and watch someone throw a no-hitter is amazing. I love this, you know, I just love this entire moment. Like I said, I don't really view it as being part of scene hall history. I just, I'm just happy in the fact that I was able to have a lot of fun uh, working with some great people on this. And if I can bring up the last thing, because I've, I've gotten all nostalgic throughout this whole thing. I remember the moment, like two minutes after it happened, uh, we have a mutual group chat where we're in the PTV group chat, where we talk to our friends who are, you know, in and around the Comarts, you know, extracurriculars. And the first thing we did, maybe two minutes later, was we sent messages and all caps. We were like, guys, Ronnie and I, it didn't matter which Ronnie said it, because we both Ronnie, but uh, just through our, just called a no-hitter in Spanish and we had gone insane. That, it was so fun to be a part of that it's definitely something I'm gonna remember. It's something I'm gonna brag about uh, to my friends, and you know, as I move on in this, you know, career right out of, uh, after college, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be, you know, a nice story to tell. I have the audio saved forever too. So, I mean, this is—it was a great time. It's something I wouldn't exchange for the world. It was marvelous. I don't know how many more words I can use to describe it. It was just great. Another little caveat I want to throw in there before we. Uh before we wrap this up, is that in the beginning there were recording problems uh, with the stream and we didn't get recorded until, we didn't get the entire game. The intro wasn't recorded, the first inning wasn't recorded uh, or it was, at, but the entire the entirety of the call was a little bit fumbled in the beginning, but I'm glad. And also um, we just made it at the end because of our um, new tie line, our recording, our, our broadcasting system it was being overheated since we were in the sun and the battery was dying and just like it cut me off in my outro. So it just got the no hitter. It could have, it could have almost been cut off and we could have told people nobody would have believed this. So as I was saying, Oh, this is a great moment for Tyler Bruno oh, and just cut off. So like, it, it was it was in there, but we just barely made it. So there was recording problems at the beginning and the battery died at the end and that we were see like i said everything had to go right and everything almost went catastrophically wrong so and another little thing before i end this up is that that was a really great day in baseball softball programs because that same day we walked over to the softball stadium they were also playing a great game against villanova and it went to extra innings they went to 10 innings and they it was a back and forth affair and they beat them 10 to 9 in a walk-off uh, walk off wild pitch, I believe. And uh, we were we, we, the people calling the game up there did an absolutely great job. They were in the sun. I felt uh, they, they got sunburned. It was uh, Chris Kylie and Dylan Camp. They called a great game over there. And then they, they came up to us. They were so mad at us. Like, oh, what? You guys called a no hitter? That's crazy. So, like, um, but it was it was a great day in baseball, softball for Seton Hall. No hitter and a comeback, nail biting, thrilling game against Nova, 10 to nine offensive uh, to not get swept in that series against a very tough team. But that will do it for this episode of Pirate Rewind. Uh, it was great to relive one of the best moments of my collegiate career, one of the best moments of my life that I'll be able to share with both of you. And I'm sure that you guys 
are definitely going to be able to remember this. And, and I'm sure this is something we can relive almost every year. Maybe we can do it on this day, Tyler Byrne threw a no-hitter, you know, those sports tweets that get overused. Let's get ours overused. Why not Spanish? But that will do it for this episode of Pirate Rewind. For Jonathan Haidt and Ronald Castaneda, I am Ronnie Jerez. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in to the future Pirate Rewinds to take a step back in time and relive Shoes' best moments. Take care.